Um, I was inviting you to think for a minute about the first disciples. There were four of them, including Peter, who was a fisherman. There was Matthew, who was a tax collector, and Simon, who was possibly in, in politics. The first person to meet Jesus when he rose from the dead was a woman, a friend of his. These were all ordinary people. And Luke tells us in in Acts chapter 4 that when Peter and John were arrested for teaching about Jesus, the people who arrested him realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, the Bible tells us. And if you look at the whole Bible narrative, it's a story of how God works through ordinary people. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Esther, Abigail, they're all ordinary people. Now, my guess is that most of us, if not all of us who are listening and watching this morning, think or consider ourselves as pretty ordinary people. Well, how great is it then that our God loves ordinary people? How exciting that when we read the Bible, we discover that God is interested in people like you and like me. Well, today we begin a a series entitled Ordinary People, Extraordinary Mission. Now, whoever puts our sermon series together, this obviously has a bit of a thing this year about the word ordinary. But how fitting it is that we move from understanding that we have no ordinary father to discovering that we are called by him into his extraordinary mission, despite the fact that we ourselves are very ordinary people. And we're going to do this by looking at the book of Acts and the life of the Apostle Paul. To put our reading into context, um, I want to just explain where Paul is at. Paul has been wrongly arrested about three years before the speech that we're going to look at today. This is a, um, a soap a soap drama in the league, really, with something like EastEnders. And we enter into this drama halfway through this story. Paul has been in Jerusalem when some Jews stir up trouble and they deliberately seek to kill him. So the Roman commander, he arrests um, Paul to protect him and puts him in chains Well, to cut a long story short, and I advise you, if you've got time to go and read the book of Acts, you'll see the story in full. Um, Paul gets pushed between the Jewish uh, chief priests and the the Roman governor, Felix, with no grounds to prosecute or punish. And he has different threats on his life. He's consistently falsely accused and eventually he's left in prison and he's completely forgotten about for two years Okay, I'm really sorry um, that we've lost you and hopefully this time you'll be with us and uh, we can listen together to what God has to say to us this morning. Um, Thank you for sticking with us and uh, we look forward to what God is going to say through our new series. I wonder if you could think with me uh, for a minute about the first disciples because four of them, including Peter, were fishermen. Matthew was a a tax collector and Simon possibly uh, was in politics. And the first person to ever meet Jesus, think about them, a woman, his friend. These are all ordinary people. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 4 that when Peter and John were arrested for teaching about Jesus, that the people who saw him realised they were unschooled, ordinary men. The whole Bible narrative um, is a story about how God works through ordinary people. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Esther, Abigail, they're all ordinary people. Now, my guess is that most of, if not all of us who are listening this morning, think or consider ourselves as pretty ordinary people. How great it is then that our God loves ordinary people. How exciting that when we read the Bible, we discover that God is interested in people like you and like me. 
And today we begin a new series together as a church entitled Ordinary People, Extraordinary Mission. Well, whoever puts together our sermon series obviously has a bit of a thing about the word ordinary, which is interesting in such an extraordinary year that we're in. But how fitting that we move from understanding that we have no ordinary father to discovering that we're, we are called by him into his extraordinary mission, despite the fact that we are very ordinary people. And to do this, we are um, basing ourselves in the book of Acts and the life of Paul the Apostle. But before we get to our reading, I want to set it in context, uh, into context for us. Because Paul was wrongly um, arrested about three years before the passage that we're going to read. And this is a soap, a, a drama that's in the league of something like EastEnders. And we've entered into this drama about um, half, um, halfway into the storyline. So Paul had been in Jerusalem when some Jews stirred up some trouble. Deliberately, they were trying to kill him. And so the Roman commander arrested Paul and put him in chains. Well, to cut a long story short, he was pushed between the, G the Jewish chief priests who didn't like what he was saying and the Roman governor, Felix. But they actually had no grounds to prosecute or punish him. And they kept making, uh, there were various threats on his life. Consistently, through that time, Paul is um, falsely accused until eventually he's left in prison, forgotten for two whole years until a new governor takes over from Felix, a guy called Festus. Now, Festus, the new governor, was torn when he meets this prisoner because he couldn't find any um, grounds to accuse Paul. And so he takes the opportunity when King Agrippa comes to visit to seek his view on this prisoner. Now, King Agrippa's an interesting man. He's, he's the son of Marcus Agrippa, who we meet in chapter 12, but he's also the great-grandson of Herod the Great, the man who tried to kill baby Jesus. And you may notice as I read to you in a minute that King Agrippa is never mentioned without Bernice. And although they were sister and brother, their relationship had become incestuous, so quite an interesting character. But King Agrippa was fascinated to meet Paul. And so Festus arranges this meeting, which involves some great pomp and regalia. So King Agrippa and Bernice arrive in their royal robes alongside Festus and lots of other important people. You can imagine something like the state opening of Parliament with the Queen arriving in her state crown and her royal robes, leading the procession packed with important guests to the House of Lords. It was very much like that, altogether a very grand and extravagant affair. No expenses spared. And Agrippa and Bernice would have looked radiant and, um, in their royal robes. So imagine the scene. Into this place of wealth, privilege, extravagance is brought this man, dressed in dirty, torn, poorly fitting prison clothes, handcuffed to maybe a guard on either side. It's thought that Paul was a, a small man. John Stott writes in his commentary, according tr to tradition, he was only a little fellow and unprepossessing in appearance, balding with beetle brows, hooked nose and bandy legs. Paints quite a picture, doesn't it? Quite a contrast to that pomp and privilege of the audience that have come to listen to him. So are you there? Have you, have you got that picture in your mind? Well, with that picture, with the scene set, let's listen to what um, Paul has to say. So I'm going to turn um, and invite you to join me to Acts chapter 26 and read from verse 1. Acts chapter 26. 
Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defence. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defence against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my country and also in Jerusalem. They've known me for a long time and can testify that if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now, it, and now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And, then, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, I was on the road. I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, said uh, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant as an, as, and as a witness to what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who sanctified by faith in me. Give thanks to God for his word. Well, before we, uh, we look at some of the points in, in Paul's speech there to help us as we think around sharing our faith, let's just look at what Paul heard Jesus say to him when he met him on the road to Damascus. This conversation with the risen Lord Jesus changed Paul's whole direction and his motivation in life. So look back again at verse 16. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness to what you have seen. Stand up and speak. While well, Paul had fallen on the floor like a broken man before the presence of Jesus. He was confronted there and then with the truth of who Jesus was, the historical fact that Jesus is alive and that when he was persecuting his disciples, Saul was in fact rejecting the very God he said he was fighting for. Well, I wonder this morning, have you come to that place 
and acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again? Have you come to that place where you recognise that he took your sin on himself in your place, that he has set you free and has given you new life? Because today Jesus longs to meet with us, just like he did with Saul. Just where we are, show us his love and his grace and his mercy. He longs, he longs to break down those walls, to descale our eyes, just like he did for Saul. He wants us to see that he is the one who loves us and wants to rescue us. And what happened when Saul, who became Paul, had this encounter with Jesus, it gave him a new purpose as a follower of Jesus. And we too, if we're followers of Jesus, then we have that same purpose. We're invited, as Paul was, to tell his story. We're entrusted to, um, to tell others about Jesus. So what does uh, Jesus say to Paul? Well, he says, stand up and speak. Thinking about standing up, standing implies readiness, doesn't it? It's much easier and quicker to get going, to get moving if we're standing. As Christians, are we ready to be obedient to all that Jesus asks us to do? Well, Paul and the early church, they were in a time of persecution for their faith. And Jesus knew he'd experienced the hostility and the rejection that his followers also would be subjected to. And so he calls them to stand up and to stand firm. Now, I know for some of us physically, we may not be able to stand for very long, or indeed we may find difficulty in standing at all. But perhaps this morning, Jesus wants to speak to our hearts. In your relationship, in my relationship with Jesus, what posture do you take? Of course, we long for a posture of submission, don't we? Falling before our Lord and King. But have we embraced that call to stand? A posture, if you like, of readiness. A posture of willing obedience to be able to share the good news of Jesus. What enabled Paul to stand with such confidence and presence, having been treated so badly by those he was standing in front of? What enables a fearful bunch of disciples to begin to boldly preach the good news of Jesus? Well, we come back, I believe, again to that encounter with the risen Jesus. Because Paul has found in that moment peace with God. He's discovered that there is freedom in knowing that you're loved and forgiven by your creator. That no one can harm you if God is for you. Paul has discovered that the most important thing in life is not being popular or comfortable or famous or rich or educated or successful. The most important thing in life is being accepted and loved and in relationship with God through Jesus. So just like those first disciples who on that day of Pentecost were filled with the Holy Spirit and boldly told people about Jesus and then the church was born. So, G uh, so Paul here is relying on the Holy Spirit and he gives him confidence to speak. But we also find that Jesus has called Paul to be a witness, to stand up and to speak. Well, a witness is someone who gives evidence, aren't they? Um, personal evidence of what they have seen. Witnesses play a, a really important part, a really important role in criminal cases because they help to clarify by telling the judge or the jury everything that they have seen, everything that they know about an event. 
So Jesus calls Paul to a very simple task, to talk about what he has seen. That is to talk about his experience of the risen Jesus that he's met, the one who was killed and rose from the dead. Now, if we're really honest here, we'd say, well, I think many of us would say that we find evangelism difficult. We find it hard talking to others about our faith. And yet, like Paul, we also are aware that we've been called to be witnesses. Perhaps you've often come away from a sermon or a seminar about sharing your faith or fired up to do it and then find yourself completely tongue-tied during that first conversation. Well, just for a few moments, I want us to look at Paul's speech to King Agrippa and to Bernice, because I think there's some really helpful pointers there for us today. And the first is that Paul is positive and polite. Now, remember the scene. Remember that Paul has been forgotten in prison for two years. But did you notice his words as he began his speech? They're both positive and polite. He uses words of affirmation. I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today, King Agrippa. And right through his speech, he uses, his, uses King Agrippa's name, shows him great respect. I was overwhelmed by Paul's humility and by his grace. Even in that moment, Paul is showing how his heart has been so transformed by the love of God. There's no hint of resentment there, no desire for revenge. And if you read Paul's um, writings, he talks to the new believers in Colossae and he says this, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. Colossians 4. Full of grace. Not defensive when we have the opportunity to share our faith. Be gentle. Be kind. It's those encouraging words that will pave the way for us to make the most of that opportunity. Full of grace. Isn't that our story? God has shown us grace and we're called to show that grace to others. Peter talks too in 1 Peter 3.15. He talks like this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And then he says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. I find the way um, Paul speaks here in his speech to King um, Agrippa so, so helpful. He shows such gentleness, doesn't he? Such respect in the most challenging of circumstances. We've all seen, haven't we, over recent times, how words have been spoken without gentleness and respect. They've ripped through our media, causing untold damage. Let's ask God to fill us with humility, with gentleness, with respect in all our conversations. But Paul's not only positive and polite, he's also personal and purposeful as he speaks. An opportunity uh, to speak for Paul was an opportunity to share his story. And here Paul shapes his story to his listeners, knowing that King Agrippa has Jewish heritage and knowledge. He tells his story from his own um, Jewish heritage in order to connect with his listeners, in order to find common ground with them. And if you read through the book of Acts, each time Paul speaks, 
he has opportunity opportunity to defend himself he always shares his story about Jesus and that's exactly what Jesus means when he calls us calls Paul to be a witness it's much simpler than we often think or make it we've just been called to be witnesses to share our personal experience of what we have seen of the risen Lord Jesus now Marcus Rashford is a footballer whose name has suddenly become a household name um, very familiar because um, he was someone who spoke out of his personal experience and as a result he's helped to change government policy hasn't he and that's like us we've been called to share our personal story we've been called to share our story it's out of our personal encounter with Jesus with the risen Lord Jesus that our story will flow and that's how God wants it to be he doesn't want us to introduce people that we meet to to a set of rules he doesn't want us to introduce them to a book or an organization or to come to a Sunday morning service he wants us to tell people about what knowing and loving Jesus means for us and we do this with humility a simple message about a relationship with the living God the words we speak the kindness and compassion in our voice and in our words the personal story that we seek to share of the risen Lord Jesus that is what will touch people's lives in his encounter with Jesus that day on the road um, to Damascus Paul discovered this he discovered that God wants to be known that the creator God wants his creation to know him. God's got a mission and that mission is to make himself known. And he's done that through his son, Jesus. And what Paul discovered on that road to Damascus when he met with Jesus was that God had called him to now be part of that incredible mission. And we're called to that same mission too. God has entrusted us to share his love and his rescue plan with everyone so that everyone has the opportunity to respond to Jesus. So I wonder what that means for us today in the middle of a pandemic, in what are unprecedented times of fear and anxiety and hardship. What does that mean to share our story? Well, my conviction is this, that we need to have a daily encounter with Jesus. We need to be daily living, walking and talking with Jesus. That means we need to be experiencing his love and his care and his compassion and his mercy. We need to know his strength as we rely on him each day. We need to be cultivating that relationship of speaking with him. That we experience him to be the peace in our chaos. We know that God is the calm in our storm. We know that in him our fears are dispelled and so on and so on. For then when we are experiencing and encountering Jesus day by day, we can tell our story gently, compassionately with those who we meet. We can tell them about how God has impacted, how Jesus has impacted our lives from our own experience. To the church in, in Corinth, Paul says, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. 
For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And there from Paul is our challenge this morning. Is this your resolve? Is this my resolve as we think about being called to stand up and to speak? I pray, brothers and sisters, that today we would encounter Jesus again. And then from that have a deep longing to share Jesus, our Lord, our Saviour, to be part of God's heart and God's mission to our world.